God like? There are no more important questions than these in life. Who is God and what is God like? This is one of those lessons I call a preachy class or a classy sermon, just depending on how you want to look at it. But what we're going to do is think about the God we should know, who He is and what He's like for just a few moments together. It is probably one of the most important Old Testament passages that can be found. Sadly, it's not one that everyone's familiar with. If people were familiar with this Old Testament passage that deals with who God is and what God is like, I guarantee you there wouldn't be some of the misconceptions out there that exist concerning God today. Maybe you've heard people talk about how in the Old Testament, God was a God of holiness and wrath. But in the New Testament, God is a God of love and grace. People who make statements like that have not seriously considered a passage that we're going to examine in greater detail tonight. But before I do, open your Bibles to this passage. Exodus 3 and verse 14. Who is God? The question is asked by Moses. The scene is that of the burning bush. Who shall I say has sent me? Who are you? And it is in this passage... Exodus 3.14, that God responds, I am that I am. And the idea is this, Yahweh, I am, the ever-existing one, found 6,829 times, 6,829 times just in the Old Testament. God is the self-existing one, the ever-existing one. There is a sense of independence with God that is very real. I want you to know God didn't make us because He needed us. God made us so that we would see our need of Him and that we would honor and glorify Him. When you think of that word, notice how Exodus 3, 14 and 15 speak about my name needs to be made known among the people for generations to come. Think about this. My name is to be made known. Israel as a nation was to be a light to the nations. Isaiah 49 and verse 6. But there's... Another concept involved in that. Who is God? He's the great I am. He's Yahweh, the ever-existing one. But He is also the God who takes the initiative to have a relationship. And in Exodus 3, 14 and following, God is talking about the relationship He would have with Israel through whom Jesus would eventually come. 
Who is God, the ever-existing one who wants to have a relationship with his people? You got it? Now turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapters 32 through 34. Exodus chapters 32 through 34. Keeping in mind the answer to that question, who is God? He tells us His name. I am Yahweh. He tells us a lot about Him, about Himself. But when we get to Exodus 32 through 34, this God who has been so good and great to Israel in getting them out of bondage, in parting the sea for them to avoid the the, the Egyptian armies, the people have sinned against this God terribly. It's the golden calf incident. You know what I'm talking about. Moses is up on the mountain getting the law from God. Think about this. The best comparison I can come up with is a man being unfaithful to his wife on their wedding night. That is about as crazy and ludicrous as one could ever conceive But that's the idea. While Moses is getting the law from God on the mount, Israel makes a golden calf. Moses' own brother Aaron is involved in it. First degree guilt. He said, we threw this gold into the fire and out pops this calf and we all just started worshiping it. The insanity of sin. You see what happens? People don't really want a God always who is the ever-existing one. We like a God that we can hold into our hand, on our own hands and we can manipulate and we can make in our own image rather than respect the fact that we were made in His. And the initiative that God takes in wanting to have a covenant and a relationship with us is one that we can take very lightly. So much so that we can be unfaithful to God very easily. Moses intercedes for Israel because rightly God is angry. So angry that he says, Moses... I'm going to wipe out this nation, and of you, I'm going to make a nation. I'm just going to start all over. But Moses pleads with him. And as Moses intercedes and pleads, he sees so much of God's goodness and greatness, and he wants to see more. And what he says, notice this in Exodus 33 especially verses 17 through 23, he says, God, show me your glory. And what he's asking for is this. What do you look like? You've revealed your name to me earlier. 
what do you look like, God? And God basically says, no one can see me and live. But Moses is given a special revelation of God where God uses his hand, the text says. Again, God's a spirit. John 4, 23 and 24. But God uses his hand to shield Moses and Moses is able to see something of the back of God but not his face. You know, a lot of us would like to see something of an appearance of God. What God really gives is not so much his appearance in Exodus 33 as an announcement. An announcement of what he is like. Now turn to Exodus 34, and this is the passage. In Exodus chapter 34, God tells us what He is like. And there are five terms that He utilizes. They are all relational. They're all relational. Ours is a God who wants to relate to us. And not only that, but all five of them are positive. As positive as they can be. Now what I want you to see is this. When you look at Exodus 34 verses 5 and 6, there is an emphasis on the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord... Five times in virtually every translation. And there is an emphasis on the Lord proclaiming His name. What this does, brothers and sisters and friends, is tie in Exodus 34 with Exodus 3. The great I am. Who is speaking the great I am. The one that spoke to you some time ago, Moses, is the same God that is speaking to you now. And notice how he reveals himself. Depending upon the version from which you are reading, first of all, this God is compassionate and merciful. He is tender-hearted. God is a God who genuinely cares. You look at the passage as it continues. Secondly, it says He is gracious. He's gracious. He does not treat us as we deserve, but He treats us with kindness and mercy. Relational, positive qualities. The third quality or attribute. You know, Moses was looking for an appearance and what he got was a sermon. What he got was an announcement of what God is like. And the text doesn't really emphasize so much Moses' experience of seeing God. It emphasizes what he heard and the difference that that would make in his life and Israel's life and our life even now. Slow to anger. 
You know what the term literally means? It's an idiom, an idiom, an expression. Adam, it means long of nose. Have you ever had somebody really, really ticked off and they're in your face and they're red face and, it, and man, their nose it looks like it grows because they have invaded the space zone that they should not have invaded. God is slow to anger. He is patient with us when we have behaved less than satisfactorily. And that's putting it mildly. Notice what else is said, and this is number four. Abounding in loving kindness, only God is described this way in all of the Old Testament. Abounding! In steadfast love, in loving kindness. And then, number five, abounding in faithfulness. You may have the word truth in your version. God is abounding in loving kindness, steadfast love, and God is a God of truth and faithfulness. This passage would be a refrain. It would be a passage constantly alluded to throughout the rest of the Old Testament. Listen to me. The golden calf incident. God says, I am willing to pick up the pieces of a broken relationship of you committing adultery on our wedding night, comparatively speaking. I'm willing to do this and start again with you, Israel. I suggest that Israel needed a God like the God of Exodus 34 and verse 6. Don't you agree? Whether they wanted Him always or not. But not only does Israel need such a God, so do you. And so do I. A God who is compassionate and merciful a God who is gracious, a God who is slow to anger, a God who is abounding in steadfast love, and a God who is faithful and true, even when we're not. Who is God and what is He like? Brother Terry, you got your Bible handy. Open your Bible to Psalm 103 and verse 8. Lynn, you got your Bible handy, Brother Shepherd, Brother Elder? If you would, and don't mind, open your Bibles, if you would, Lynn, to Jonah chapter 4 and verse 2. 
Terry, if you're at Psalm 103, verse 8, read it and everybody listen. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy. Does that sound kind of familiar to y'all? The psalmist couldn't help but sing when they thought about who God is and what He's like. A virtual quotation of Exodus 34.6. Terry, while you're there, go over just a couple of chapters. Go to Psalm 145 and look at verse 8. Psalm 145, verse 8. Then, Lynn, I'll get to you. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and great in mercy. And notice as that psalm goes on... This is true of all of the nations. It's not just true of Israel like in Exodus 34, 6. But this psalm is a psalm for the nations to be talking about who is God and what is He like. We think about Jonah and he tried to fly the coop on God. His name means dove, Jonah, and he tried to fly the coop on God. You look at Jonah chapter 4 and verse 2, you find out why he really did not want to honor God in obedience by going to preach to Nineveh. Go ahead and read that if you would, please, Lynn. So so he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish. For I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who presents from doing harm. I can produce literally dozens of passages from the Old Testament where it seems that Exodus 34 and verse 6 and what God is like is going through the mind of the inspired writers. I believe Exodus 34 verse 6 needs to go through our minds more too. And how can we be people who are unfaithful to one that is so compassionate and merciful... How can we be unfaithful to one so gracious? How can we be unfaithful to one who is so slow to anger, who is abounding in steadfast love and in truth? One last passage. Did you know that there is no New Testament passage that directly quotes Exodus 34, 6? But there's one that comes mighty close. You know what it is? The passage is John chapter 1. Turn to John 1. And as always, Jesus should have the final word and to Him be the glory.
and the Word. Remember, God didn't just show something of His greatness to Moses. He announced it. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth, loving kindness and faithfulness. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This is He of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because He was before me. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Christ. No one has ever seen God. See the tie-ins? The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. He has revealed Him. This, my friends, is the God one should know. We're about to stand and sing our song of encouragement. If you are not a Christian, we've talked about God and who He is and what He is like. I'll tell you this too. If you look at Exodus 34 and verse 7, our God is a forgiving God, but He's also a just God. He is not a pushover. He is not a dummy. He is not one to be taken advantage of or to cast aside Him and His will as if He really doesn't matter. There is a God in heaven. We can know what He's like because He's revealed Himself. Have you come to Him in faith and repentance and baptism? And for those of us who are Christians, it may be that we need to meditate more on Exodus 34, verse 6. Amen. Let us stand and sing.